Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode in our podcast series Beyond Markets. My name is Sasha Walker, and I'm Head of Strategy and Business Operation Asia-Pacific at Julius Baer. Today, I'm here with Mathieu Racheter, Head of Equity Strategy at Julius Baer in Zurich. Hello, Mathieu. Thank you for joining us today for this episode on the French election. Hi, Sasha. Glad to be here. Thank you. The French election took place last Sunday, actually yesterday. And let's listen first to the results in a news clip from Deutsche Welle News. And there you have it. Avec 58,2% des voix contre 41,8% pour Marine Le Pen. Emmanuel Macron, as we can see there, declared president of France with 58,2% of the vote. Okay, Mathieu, you have been following the election for a few weeks already. I read your papers, very interesting. So how do you feel today? Quite relieved, uh, I have to say. I mean, the stakes were very high and it has been a very tight election race uh, over the past weeks to follow. I think many investors, including me, still remember the surprise votes in 2016 with Brexit, but also Trump, and were afraid of a repeat uh, this time around. But President Macron finally got re-elected, making him the first president in France to actually secure a second term in 20 years. I think this is the same feeling here when I was walking the floor today with our analysts and traders. I think there was a personal relief, but also I think a relief from a financial markets perspective. Now I have another question. Even the poll showed Emil Macron slightly ahead. Is it a surprise for you that he won with a rather big margin? Two weeks ago, the race was considered to be very, very tight. To recap, the polls show Macron at 51 and Le Pen at 49. Macron won yesterday with almost 60% of the votes. Is this a surprise for you? Yes, it was expected that Macron would win, but I was quite a surprise by how much uh, he actually won. So, you know, if you look at the latest polls, they they showed him getting around 56% of the votes, but he finally got more than that. He got 58% of them, so closer to the 60%. It's a smaller margin of victory than compared to five years ago when he got 66% of the votes. But, you know, back then he still had the benefit of being a newcomer and being the face of change. And, you know, the last five years have been quite a challenging time for Macron to govern um, Europe's second largest country as he tried to navigate through trade wars, uh, the worst pandemic in a century, energy price shocks, and also now the war with you in Ukraine. So his approval rating has been in the low 40s recently. But despite that, French voters gave Macron a second chance to show that his pro-business, pro-European vision will work out eventually. Obviously, you know, there has been also many voters uh, that backed him more for the sole reason to just keep uh, Marine Le Pen out of the office as she would really represent a large change in national but also in international policy. It's quite interesting um, and I think that people were happy that he got a second chance. Now let's talk about policies. The outcome of the election was closely followed everywhere. 
Even here in Singapore, but also in Hong Kong, the news have been reporting regularly on the election for weeks. Which impact do you think the results will have on national, but also international policies? Yes, that's a very good question. We think we largely expect the continuity in, in government policy, both on the national but also on the international front. So if you look, you know, on the domestic policy side, the challenge for him will be really on healing the, the rifts in France and also get support for his plans to make the country more competitive uh, by, for example, overhauling um, social policies uh, such as pensions, but also by lowering the corporate tax rate and reducing um, the household tax burden on that front. If you look more on the international side, on the international dimension, Macron has been very outspoken um, about bringing integration of the EU to the next level and he will likely play an important role also there in adjusting the EU fiscal rules or in discussions on, on common European projects, which could also potentially be financed by joint debt uh, issuance there. Having said that, the degree of power for a second mandate will largely depend on the results of the parliamentary elections uh, later this year in June. And for that, it's probably safe to say that the traditional centrist parties will likely lose ground at the expense of the more far-right and left uh, parties there. So therefore, going forward, it will be very crucial for Macron to build alliances um, to be able to pass uh, his legislations in, in the second term. Thank you. Um, I think now we're coming to a question which is relevant for our clients, for investors, for the listeners out there. Let's talk about the implication on financial markets. As Julius Baer, one of the biggest pure private banks in the world, we should have a view, right? So I want to ask you, how have markets reacted um, this morning and what is your view going forward? As expected, we have seen a positive market reaction here in French domestic assets, at least in relative uh, terms. So if you look at the CAC 40, so the French leading equity index, it actually outperformed its peers at the time of, of the recording and especially banks, but also infrastructure stocks are doing quite well. If you look at the fixed income markets, uh, we have seen a slight tightening um, of European periphery bond spreads uh, following the election uh, results now here in Monday. Um, this would have looked very different in the case of a uh, Le Pen win. In terms of our investment recommendations, we remain overweight uh, French equities, which are attractively valued and currently also show the strongest earnings trends among the bigger equity markets. And over in fixed income, we also there, we reiterate our constructive view on European peripheral government bonds, giving the still decent rate advantage that they offer compared to the more core European uh, countries. As you may know, we are in Singapore six hours. When I wake up, that was uh, still, I think you were still sleeping, Matthew, in, in Switzerland. And the first thing I did, I checked my phone and I was checking the election result. I was released. I couldn't check the European market because it's only opening for a short while now. But then I was checking the euro and the euro was uh, suddenly lower than the US dollar. So why that I was expecting the euro will jump up and increase and opposite it decrease? Why euro is lower and is this just like a short-term behavior? And what is your view maybe on the more midterm? Yeah, that's a good question. You no, know, we are in the midst of a risk-off move in the markets when usually also the euro uh, loses ground given its higher cyclicality of the currency compared to, for example, the US dollar. But, you know, going forward, monetary policy divergence uh, will be a much more important driver in the short term, at least um, over the coming weeks here. And, you know, the U.S. Fed is expected to front load interest rates normalization. 
with at least 250 basis points interest rate hikes um, now in May, but also later in June. While the ECP on the other side is for now just focusing on ending asset purchases and expected to remain rather passive on the interest rate front until late this year. So given this divergence of speed in policy normalization that, that we are seeing, we expect the US dollar to continue to appreciate against the euro over the coming months. If you take a more long-term view, we think, you know, the US dollar's counter-cyclicality and also the shift of focus of the ECB's um, interest rates normalization will eventually lead to a softening of the US dollar and benefit the euro when, you know, the bulk of the Fed rate hikes has passed and the US also um, loses its growth advantage later this year. So basically, in the short term, we are more cautious on the euro compared to the US dollar, but we think it will appreciate over the medium term. Thank you. Now, I think when you're talking about euro, we can also talk about EU um, leadership. I think the vote for Macron was also seen as a vote against Putin. Macron was very vocal on the Ukraine conflict and made a very, very clear stance against Putin. His EU colleague, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, was, let's say, a bit less decisive, less vocal. Do you think France is becoming even more a heavyweight in the European Union? Yes, France was always a very strong and important member of the EU. But, you know, it's true that Macron is quite outspoken on bringing the European project uh, to the next level. And already in the days back with Angela Merkel, it was quickly cleared um, how Macron wants to shape Europe and how he wants to bring forward European integration. So we therefore think that uh, Macron's key role in building up the EU recovery fund comes therefore not really as a surprise here. So, you know, going forward, there are still many challenges uh, for Europe. The war has and will continue to have a lot of consequences for many citizens. And soon we will have to discuss again EU fiscal rules and how to adjust them and to make the rules more sustainable. And, you know, I think the second term of Macron is certainly a positive uh, in that regard. Let's maybe look a bit back to France. Um, Marine Le Pen already tried before to become a president, as did her father. She tried to tone down, to reach out to more moderate waiters. It didn't help. I personally would rather call it a tactical behavior for a wolf in a sheep closing. Nevertheless, do you think the French would never elect a far-right president? So we never really know, but I think there are general trends on a macro-political level, but these trends are also constantly shaped and steered by events on a micro-level. So the trend towards more populist, towards deglobalization, towards anti-establishment policies has clearly grown in the last decade. Income inequality, but also difficulties to handle waves of immigration have also supported uh, those moves. And, you know, we have seen Brexit, Trump, um, the political episodes in Italy, Le Pen progressing to the second round now, but also five years ago. And, you know, all these events are certainly not by accident. So we really see this trend. But, you know, it feels like uh, with the pandemic and the bold decisions taken by the establishment to really open up uh, the fiscal budget to support households, um, the trend towards even more populism has maybe temporarily taken a break here. But it remains to be seen if this really marks a, a trend reversal here. I agree on the trend, but I don't really think they're able to gain a majority. I think that Brexit and Trump were accidents. When you look to Germany, the far right wing, that's a max 10% per party, I think reached the ceiling. Switzerland, the right, the far right is um, slowing down. 
Yesterday, they also have an important vote, by the way, in Slovenia, uh, where the far-right-wing president was not voted again. So let's see what the future brings and what will be the trends bring. But I want to thank you, Mathieu, for sharing your insight with us. Dear listeners, that's all what we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. On behalf of all of us at Julius Baer, thank you for tuning in and goodbye. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.